Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. And welcome to the Talking Comics Podcast. This is episode 587 on Wednesday. Nope, I don't like that at all. We're doing this again. <laughs> We're doing this again. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 1st, and you are listening to episode number 587. I am your host again this week, Joey Burcino, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. March is coming in like a lion across the country, but uh, I wish it was a lion cat instead, but that's just me. That's a saga reference. I understood that reference. <laughs> Aaron's here. <laughs> it was like dramatic pause. Aaron's here. Nice. He is correct. Dot, dot, dot. Aaron's here. I wanted to save John Burkle for last because he and I are having a reunion tour. We haven't seen each other in six years. It's been forever. We're getting back on the road. Yeah. So we can talk about X-Men, baby. X-Men. Yeah, baby. <laughs> um, we got nothing planned for you this week other than the title of the show, Talking Comics. Lots of books to chat about. Steve should be back next week. Um, he and Brahma got a lot going on the last couple of weeks. I think things are settling. He'll have news for you, I'm sure. They're moving um, to New Jersey, right? That's what I heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. New Jersey. Speaking of New Jersey, um, Aaron, I didn't check the notes. Did you want to talk about the Moon Girl cartoon during your lightning round? Hot takes. You got hot takes for your lightning round. Yes. You want to save it. Okay. All right. Because they say some stuff about New Jersey in that show. (laughs) And we'll get back to it a little bit later then. Um, (laughs) John, what do you, John? What have you been up to? We haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. I've been living the Midwest dream of snow one day, ice the next, and then sixty degrees over the weekend. So lovely, lovely. You know, yeah, it's been fantastic. No, it's the end of the trimesters here, so trying to get grades in. My wife has conferences, and kids are going crazy, and AIs are terrible, as we were saying nice. beforehand. Nice. Everybody's trying to cheat. <laughs> I believe it's pronounced Trimester. Trimester? Sorry. Really? Sorry. Trimster? Oh, it's <laughs> um, <laughs> bit of news for everyone. I don't know if any of you are on the TikTok. Um, nope. not, no? No? Bob, oh. you're not on TikTok? No? Not the ticks, nor the talks. Not the ticks, not the talks. Um, I don't know if y'all caught the uh, Disney Marvel TikTok about the Rogers musical coming to Disneyland yes, in, yeah, I think next idea. year or something like that. Um, it's probably just going to be like one of their 45-minute little special shows, and they'll do it over at uh, – I think it's called Avengers – I can do Avengers this Campus, Campus, I think. It's called Avengers Campus. Um, 
it was not ready when I went to Disneyland a couple of years ago on the road trip. They just had like they just had like the Guardians of Galaxy where the Tower of Terror used to be. And then there was like a plane that the Captain Marvel actress would like stand by and you could take pictures of. And there was just a bunch of like walls saying like Avengers Camp is coming soon. So it's cool to know that now once everything's all settled, there will be a Rogers the musical for us all to go. And I see. can do this all day, right? I can do this all day. But you got to sing it. Sing uh, it, Bob. No, you don't want to. I'm not subjecting <laughs> you to that. That's our news for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I guess other news, and and John, we can pick up with you here too. Is uh, Ant Man and the Wasp Quant- Quantumania still still kicking? Um, lots of reports this week about the, the drop off in audiences and all that stuff. Um, not surprising as we were talking about off air, most, if not all movies experience significant drop off in the second week. Um, but of course with Marvel, the big news is like, oh my gosh, a Marvel movie had a 60, 70% drop or whatever. Um, our review last week was tepid at best. John, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add to our Ant-Man and the Wasp. Balanced. Now, I I applaud you for all giving a review that was moderate and not negative. I I I'll be honest. I this movie bored me. I was I was it it was predictable. It was the most unsatisfying writing I've seen in a Marvel movie mm-hmm. in some times. And, and even Paul Rudd, who I I love Paul Rudd. I don't even think his upbeat personality could carry this movie much jonathan majors was great um but really it it was it wasn't bad it wasn't good it was boring for me yeah it's hard because you know especially it seems like every time one of these movies come out one of these big tentpole blockbuster films like the um, the immediate week after it's just like interview after interview with like the writers and the directors and the stars of just like here's some things that like we wish we had done and it's like what is happening like why do why we have do to, them like, <laughs> behind right. the scenes things yes. and like Jeff Loveness have been has been giving a ton of interviews like trying to like rationalize his choices and things that he like originally had in the script and I'm like this doesn't help like this doesn't help no. me respect this movie anymore you know um there was one comment i think from one of the marvel producers i don't remember who who, and they was asked about the the drop off in in the audience and his comment actually kind of aligns with what we've been saying about it too which is like look you know the audiences are the audiences and, and they'll be what they are and we're really thinking about introducing characters and the like and he just kind of went off on the fact that Jonathan Majors Kang is pretty awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess to a degree that's true, but the audience is there or not. This movie is basically a really cool introduction for Jonathan Majors Kang character. Um, but it doesn't mean that the rest of the movie is not, as you said, John kind of bad. Yeah. Yeah. The Kang stuff's great. And, and the post-credit scenes made me excited for Loki season two. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'll be the mid credit scene bothered me. I, I don't want multiverse Kang. I want timeline Kang where mm. it's like the beginning young, young Kang, young iron lad all the way through Immortus. I don't, I don't, the the multiverse really doesn't work in the Marvel universe. I, I just, they're, they're trying. Yeah, I know, but it, DC, it makes perfect sense, but Marvel, I mean, I like the variants in Loki, but I just don't think the whole multiverse thing really landed 
for me. With right. Would we like to see Kang walk down the steps of that Roman Colosseum and blast everyone to smithereens, every variant that's sitting there? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's hard. I, I am it's... Kang. Yeah, that's it. Even with the Ant-Man movie and knowing that the movie is called Secret Wars and having read the Hickman stuff years ago mm-hmm. and kind of knowing where we're going with us all, I'm kind of with you, John. I don't really... I don't get how it works in a way that is manageable and where the stakes feel meaningful and it doesn't just become a lot of kind of like fan service pops, you know? Right. Um, That's my fear with the multiverse stuff in the next, in the Avengers movies, you know? Do you think Um, we will compress it all down and do the incursions teased at the end of multiverse of madness and start blowing up universes? I think incursions is the, is the path forward. You know, it was teased in multiverse. It's teased in quantum mania. I guarantee it's going to be at the center of the fantastic four movie. And then Kang's going to be the re- the the master of the incursion or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kang's, Kang's going to be the Doctor Doom role. All the, in all the worlds that are being destroyed, they're pulling those Kangs before they're destroyed to that r- arena. Is what I'm. Ooh, I like could see that. that. I could see that happening, but I I, I just don't know. I, yeah. I, I it's it's going to be so hard to rebuild like they did to Endgame. And I have faith that maybe they can do it. No, I'm just I'm worried though that they're also going to use this multiverse to to recast these characters. Yeah, and well, this and I is just what don't I know if that works. I, if y'all recall, <laughs> last year or maybe a year and a half ago, I don't remember when. When I was like, I think the MCU is going to be over soon. I think they're going to end it. And y'all jumped down my throat and you were like, no way. These movies, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, I think that like, it's, I think that that's something that like this multiverse stuff might allow for John, to your point. And uh, I also am with you. I don't know if I like it. Um, And I, again, I just worry about like, you know, rumors of like, oh, like Iron Man could come back in secret wars and it could be, Robert Downey Jr. or it could be Tom Cruise or whoever the hell the rumor is, yeah. whatever. And it's like, what is the point of that beyond, oh, look, it's Iron Man, you know? And again, maybe there is some narrative thing that they can make it make sense and make it fit. Um, but I'm having so much more fun with, you know, shows like She-Hulk and Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel where, like, we're on the ground and we're with these mm-hmm. new characters that are carrying on that same tone and, you know, um, that same world of the MCU that really worked in the in the in in what we've seen so far. And now that we're building towards this multiverse thing, I do worry about it getting a little unwieldy. And I think this movie is an example of that, right? Like, it's hard to do multiverse stuff without pages and pages of exposition and uh you know um characters kind of out of the situation that you love them in yeah so i don't know anyway that's jazz 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 hands that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the talking cars podcast (laughs) uh no lightning rounds john the floor is yours. Okay. Um, 
I'll start with Batman, One Bad Day, Clayface, uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, plus Zermonico. Uh, so Basil Carlo's dream of taking Hollywood by storm has stalled. Uh, he's living every struggling actor's stereotype as he, Basil, a.k.a. Clay, to his friends, is working as a waiter, uh, trying going out on auditions every day, and just making a little group of like-minded struggling artists uh, who he works with. Um, and then, you know, a nice little companionship. Everything really starts to go off the rails when directors don't understand how good Basil thinks he is. And when his fr- friends begin succeeding and he is not, the real Clayface appears. And if Hollywood doesn't understand him, he'll just become Hollywood. Uh, this is a very creepy horror-themed story. It's got gorgeous artwork. I I mean, I like Zermonico from um, Justice League a few years ago, and he did some of that final crisis buildup. Hell yeah. But damn... Uh, this has like this, like these really bright scenes and then Clayface just appears and, and goes all body horror on people. Um, it's, it's just fun. I forget who, which Clayface is, which Clayface anymore with the, you know, the, this is Clayface was with the bat family and detective. Oh no, it's not that Clayface. It's this Clayface. This is just a great one shot. Really these, all these one bad days have just been top notch with, with this incredible talent. And, and just good one-off stories. This one builds and builds and builds, and then finally Batman appears, and and how he appears is 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 highly entertaining. But I I'm just enjoying each one of these. I think there's one for each month of the year, uh, so not one has disappointed me yet. So I am, uh, but this one was one of the top of the of the of the of the batch. Then I read Batman Superman World's Finest number twelve. <sighs> So Mark Wade and Emmanuel Lupacino on art with uh, Norm Rappamound and Wade Van Grabadger on inks. We finally get to witness the date. Um, the date. Capital what, letters, John. <laughs> the date as what happened between Supergirl and Robin is finally revealed. And it is awkward. Um, from the initial attraction of Supergirl watching Robin save himself in some high-flying acrobatic maneuver to finding the perfect outfit uh, and then realizing no outfits. We're going in costumes. Uh, There's a meddling monkey that comes out of nowhere. Uh, It's impossible to keep cash in a Speedo and you can't go to an ATM because the ATM cameras might catch you uh, taking out the cash and know your secret identity. Uh, This is just another fun one-off issue uh, you got some great fatherly moments of Bruce and Clark. Uh, you got uh, Robin designing his original Nightwing costume because he thinks if he changes his identity, uh, maybe Sur- Supergirl won't know who he is. Um, <laughs> he gets mad at Bruce for not teaching him how to be an international playboy. Uh, and then Clark's just the the big brotherly uncle, like, it can't be that bad. And then just kind of snickering in the background as he finds out how bad it was. I would love for this to be revisited in a current Nightwing or somewhere. Um, uh, just, just the awkward awkwardness of teenage dating, and then having it uh, be superheroes and everybody watching you have a date. And I didn't. I just. I can't believe that Robin walked around in those little speedos just out in public everywhere. <laughs> um, no, this was a fun issue. These were two great books this week, and I read some other stuff, but. 
I, I decided to keep it positive this week. So um, I will wrap it up there. Nice. I so loved World's Finest. Yeah. Every issue has been great. This is one of my favorites. As you say, John, it's you could. It's Mark Wade, so he can do a mm-hmm. one and done that still ties into everything that's come before, but gives you characterizations across our two leads. A wonderful cover, just like check, please. <laughs> you get Bruce and Clark doing their thing and trying to bring these young people in, up to speed, but there's tons of great messages in subtle ways and a lot of fun, as you say. Rampaging monkeys, a truck full of bowling balls, <laughs> and, and an awkward dinner date. It's all you could yeah. want in a slice of life comic. It's such a silver age comic. It's just, yeah. it's just all that that kind of nonsenseness that they you know under the comics code that they just kind of went with all the time. It yeah, it was just I when they opened up with the monkey escaping in the front page, I'm like, well, that's going to come back later. Yeah, where's this going? <laughs> so now, good stuff. And, and their conversation at dinner, you've got Robin doing the whole, well, I, you know, I was this and this, and I beat so-and-so, and I'm rich, by the way. Oh, except you can't go to the ATM. We're left with, with uh, Supergirl pulling her wallet out. It's like, oh, man. Oh, and then seeing her get so ready and then using her x-ray vision and seeing Robin in his in his, his little skivvies and like, oh, crap, I wasted Yeah, exactly. I'm ready for this. <laughs> Cool oh, stuff. Cool stuff. Very much. I can't believe it's already up to issue 12. Yeah. I'm so thrilled. I hope it keeps going. I was going to say, I can't believe it's only at number 12. because It seems I like know. It feels like it comes so out much. more. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like we've had so much happen in those 12. How long is one bad day going for? I think <laughs> there's 12. I think there's one for each month of. So I think it's going through like a, at least through the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, think they've already pre. They want you to pre-order the slipcase box set with all of them in it. Yeah, I've 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 enjoyed every one of them. Every one of them has been quality. This one cracked me up because the movie he was auditioning for was the um, uh, the film version of the Killing Joke. Okay, I was going to ask that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it is that. So, yeah, it is that. <laughs> Rumors so, are uh, true. Yeah, it is true. Every one of well, I mean, some of them have connected to that, which bothered me at the beginning. Because I didn't want I didn't want all these specials to be linked to that horrific Alan Moore uh, spectacle, uh, but luckily they've all they've they've hit on it a couple of times, like with the Riddler one when he says, you know, Joker really doesn't have the common sense to plan this, and then this one just having them make it the film and uh, Clayface used to work with the Joker and the director's telling him that uh, he doesn't get the character, so it was just <laughs> things like that. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I gotta catch up with all of the one bad days. So They're I was wondering, on Ultra like, pretty quickly. Yeah, I was wondering like how many I have to have to wait for, if at all. Yeah, I think there's about probably four or five more. Cool, 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 cool. Well, because they all sound amazing. <laughs> they they are, and they've got killer creative teams. Mm-hmm. And they're not connected to anything. You can just jump in and read them if you have an inkling of who the rogues gallery is. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And yeah, Zermonico. Zermonico. That was uh, 
Was it Final Crisis or Dark Crisis? No, it was the Infinite. The oh, the, Infinite on Infinite Earth. DC yeah, Infinite, Infinite Frontier, DC Infinite Crisis <laughs> on Infinite yeah. Frontier. Let let into the book that that Aaron hate read. Yeah, yeah, that was the book Thank I read, you. and I was like, "This is awesome!" And I have yeah. no idea what's happening on any single page. Yeah. You got Dark Side breaking the the Source Wall, and then all the and you're like, "What? The, wh- I'm yeah. in." But, yeah, he killed the uh, the Quintessent. Yeah, he yes, did a whole yes, bunch of. Yeah. Good times. And does any of it count anymore? That's the nope. other question. None of no. it That's no. going to be three Dark years crisis. now at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's two, two, three years. Dark Crisis rebooted everything without rebooting anything. And now, like, I'll, I'll be honest. It was the final issue, wasn't it? Like, yeah. issue seven was like, oh, yeah, the quintessence is newly restored. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. It was just like what that. Was, oh. And then you... I, I just read Lazarus Planet Omega. Yeah. Oh, God. It's a mess. It's not bad. It's just. I. You, you can't do a, a mini you can't do this event and then have an alpha and omega and then like 20 of these huge <laughs> specials that are basically it's it they remember when like like dc would do like the 10 cent issue and it's like each three story page or story three pages of story and then it goes to the next like read this in february in this book Every one of the Lazarus Planet tie-ins that I've read on DC Infinite or Ultra or whatever it is, everyone like wraps up with like and continue this in Shazam mm. and continue mm. and then somebody and then have that all try to connect in this final Omega issue. I I was Mark Wade, I, I love and I respect, but it just it kind of fell flat. And then I yeah. It's just, it was a mess. It's so yeah, Mark Wade is doing Lazarus Planet. Yeah. Mark Wade did Lazarus oh. Planet. It blew it. It came out of Batman versus Robin. Right. Right. And then, uh, Gene Luing Yang was there too. Um, he did some right. of the monkey Prince stuff in it. Right. And, and I, I love that they had obscure characters and, and like black Alice was like the, one of the main aspects and it all dealt with magic. It just, it just, it tried to do too much and too, and it's just, it, it expected readers to go out and read every one of these giant mm. specials. And they like, they were like every other week for, you know, two months. And, and yeah. it's like, it literally like, oh, we're going to change the DC universe, but it don't feel that it did. Well, it happened literally the day Dark Crisis ended. Yeah. It was like, now Lazarus Planet. And I was That's like, because, yeah. what? It's because Dark Crisis got delayed. Yeah. But it wasn't really yeah. advertised well because I swear I thought that anything Lazarus Planet had to do with everything that was happening with Damien over on the side there. and Yeah, that's what I thought it was stuff. too. Yep. I was just well, like, wait, what is this? And I was like, oh, I don't care. Yeah, you can't <laughs> read this book, Aaron. You just don't do it. You oh. won't like it. Uh, I don't even think my application <laughs> Chris, really if you're listening, like, no. you'll love this book. Um, <laughs> Nope. Got no yep. desires. <laughs> yeah. I'll wait for I'll wait for a little asterisk in some other book where they explain this is what happened over in Lazarus Planet. Yeah. yeah. Are you so, calling Damien a little asterisk? Okay. Basically. <laughs> okay. John, Bye. did you read uh last week the DC like New Age Superman number one thing? No, I'm reading um I'm reading everything on Ultra. Yeah. So I get it a month late. So I just read 
the 10 action comics 1050 where they're kind of sh- setting up the new status quo with okay. um with M- metallo and and how in lazarus planet john's powers kind of got changed so he's going to become the electric superman okay and, and so i i can't wait to read that because the the book looks incredible with williams and eigel but uh, I'm yeah, just, I'm waiting on DC stuff until it's on the the infinite. It's just another one of these kind of confusing things where it's like I don't really understand the continuity that's happening right now. Um, with like these are labeled New Age, these are labeled as Lazarus, mm-hmm. Lazarus Planet. These are it's 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 been very very muddled, and um, it's, I'm it's, upset about it. I think they're trying to do soft reboots on everything. Yeah, but it, it it's I mean that. I mean the Batman or the Superman, the the War World stuff, and now apparently he has twins that he adopted there. Um, all the Superboys are around, so you got Connor and John, right. Supergirl. It's just, I, it's ambitious, and I, and with the creative teams that they have, I think that the, I mean it's Tom Taylor, Joshua Williamson, and um, uh, Kennedy are doing it. Yeah. So are you? Yeah. Are you caught up on action? I'm or like uh, up to a month behind. Yeah, I'm a month behind. So the new issue comes out tomorrow, but I'll read yeah. it next month. Yeah. Sweet. So I'm up with that. Yeah. Action and I went back and read rules. some of the War World stuff, and that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, Action Comics rules. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think I was like that in the, my comic shops. Like, no, no, no. You go back and read this. And yeah. They, it, it, that was, I did not, I have no in, interest in Mongol. And then that abysmal Superman and the Authority miniseries did nothing for me. <laughs> that's why I and, tapped out. That's yeah. why I tapped out too. And then going back and reading some of that stuff, it was actually pretty cool. I've really – I've said it a lot over the last – I think since Bendis really took over is when I jumped onto Superman and Action Comics. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been like – month-to-month readers for both of those series. I've had to do some catch-up here and there, but I love both of them. Like, I yeah. love Bendis' run on Superman in action, and then when Superman became Superman, son of Kal-El, and I ca- caught up with action over the last couple of weeks. Like, th- it's a really great time to read, like, Superman books. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I do have misgivings about changing John's powers because I'm just so in love with John from... yeah. Son of Kal-El, and I feel like that was just like a really sweet spot for him to be in. I get it. You're bringing back Kal-El and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I I will miss that iteration and that relationship of, of John and everyone. Well, there, there's yeah. a six-issue miniseries. Or the, uh, Tom Taylor is continuing the story. I just think that they needed to um, or was probably pressured to change John – with from Clark, make him make him a little bit more, uh, not so, you know, there's a little distinguishable aspect to them, which is silly because both Barry and Wally are running around right now. I'm pretty sure. And and there's both Wally's. Yeah. Yeah, Both both, Wally's. Both Wally's are there. There's impulse. There's Barry. And there's how many green lanterns are there? I mean, yeah, but you know, at least all the green lanterns are like different people, you know, like, Superman and Superman look exactly the same, but one is slightly wow. shorter. <laughs> That's another reason why you can't read uh, Lazarus Planet, Aaron. Joe comes into it. Who? What? Uh, Lazarus Planet, Joe uh, from your Green Lantern. Oh, Joe. Oh, so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. yeah. That, that, I mean, nobody should touch that character. Ever. Listen, Ever. He's trying to get Who's... me to flip this table. <laughs> I know that. 
Listen, Just waiting for it to no one can for the rattle of the spoons as they hit the floor. <laughs> See, the thing is, these fools give weight to people to create incredible characters. And instead of nurturing that character, they fuck it up by trying to, like, going all Borg-like <laughs> and assimilating it into the bigger constructs. And it's like, well... What was the point of creating that character? Just create it and, and then ditch it, kill it at the end of it or whatever. Then you know, then we don't have to watch you, you know, torture it for the next however long, because you never give it to someone who who honors it. So right, yeah, mm. kind of annoys me. Yeah. So I'm I'm perfectly fine with them. The only way I ever want Joe Mullins back is if someone who will honor that character will do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be NK. NK. It could be John Ridley. It could be. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it could be this other one person. <laughs> this other one person ever. Yeah, exactly. So it could maybe be a ton of us. You never know. But um, <laughs> it can't be random guy who just needs to fill a page and use a lot of brown ink. So, yeah. You know, that's where I'm going with that. Hmm. I said it. You were absolutely right. We're just like, nailed it. Breathe. <laughs> It's like fine wine. <laughs> um, who wants to go next? Well, speaking of wine, maybe I should go next. I was going to say, <laughs> I, whoever, even if Aaron said I want to go next, I'd be like, Bob, you're next. Yeah. So <laughs> leading off, I'm going to talk about two DC books. Nice. No, 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 no. Not Check nice. That. Not nice. Not nice. Not nice. I am going to rant about two covers. As they were, they very much had my knickers in a twist. And by the way, story and art on the insides of these issues were just fine. Thank you very much to all concerned. So, Catwoman number 52 sports a pose by new Catwoman Aiko that would, well, it would guarantee she could be Catwoman for very long as her spinal discs would be ruptured. <laughs> we're also treated to her. OBGYN's view of her Pikachu for good measure on this cover oh, by David Nakayama. Wow. Yikes. <laughs> um, the cover of Wonder Woman 796 by Yannick Paquette is certainly better drawn, but just as egregious, albeit in a subtler way, channeling as it does those Silver Age covers where Diana was depicted as subservient to whatever male character needed to be elevated. Uh, and we, we, we throw Yara Floor into this mix, too. Look, man, I, I thought I was past having to comment on this crap. So, I come on, DC, just just get it. Get your act together. I've had it. I'm, I'm tired. I'm starting to sound like Lewis Black around here, and that's just not good. <laughs> um, on a higher DC note, Stargirl and the Lost Children, number four of six. Uh, Jeff Johns, Todd Nock. Uh, Matt Herms and Rob Lay, they juggle pre-combat jitters with camaraderie. And still throughout, there's a sense of menace as we learn more about our big bad, the Childminder. Look, I hope these forays into JSA territory are doing well, because honestly, they've all been really, really good so far and more power to to the old folks. She-Hulk number 10, Rainbow Roll. Takisha Mizazawa, Rico Renzi, and Joe Carmagna was a wonderfully crafted catching your breath issue. As Jen's been through so much in this run so far, no spoilers coming from me, 
And look, who better to get her through a rough patch than her number one pal, Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat. Nice. Just just absolutely lovely stuff. Uh, quick hits now on two favorites from Image. One longstanding, one brand new. Saga number 62, Fiona Staples, Brian K. Vaughan, Letters by Phonographics. Gives us a lot of response to the cliffhanger of last issue. Not to mention her takes on revenge and justice and stuff like that there. Although certain young robots might have other thoughts on all those topics. And I think that's going to play itself out over the next year's worth of issues. Here's hoping. Then there's Black Cloak, number two, Kelly Thompson, Meredith McLaren, Becca Carey. Now, on the subject of cliffhangers, the first issue of this new series ended with a bang, literally, as our lead, Detective Phaedra Essex, lay dying on the floor. And as this issue opens in the police morgue, one could think the worst. But, no spoilers here either, Phaedra survives. I mean, it's her book. Uh, Thanks to some mystic shenanigans from the last time around. And that lets her continue her investigation here. And look, the, the creative team continues to world build while at the same time delivering a crackling mystery. And that it's the murder of a royal and all that entails with all sorts of other connections here works for me entirely. I am loving Black Cloak. Look, love Kelly Thompson, but this is really special. And that's it. Nice. I read Black Cloak number one last week, all 700 pages of it. It's a big um, <laughs> Yeah. And then I read Black Cloak two. I agree. It's a fantastic new series. I love the artwork. It is just so wonderfully stylized and I love the inks. It's just, it's, it's really, really great. Um, I did read it immediately after reading Saga so I was like, uh, more horns and wings and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, goodness, what is happening here? Um, but no, I, I, I really did really did love it. And, I, and like you said, I think it's a really great kind of new series from Kelly Thompson, who like one year will have 50 books out and the next mm-hmm. year we'll have two. And it's yeah. like, damn, what is happening? <laughs> so, Substack? Yeah, 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 for sure. And I also read Saga, of course, as I said. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said last month, I knew it. I knew I knew that we weren't going to go for it. And they're just te- they're teasing me. Like and every issue ends and you're like, oh, maybe they'll go for it. Maybe they'll go for the spell or whatever. Um, nah. No, no I, still think, <laughs> I still think a big fat no. But, you know, you got a serialized comic. So it is what it is. I'm going to get some shirts made up to say Steve isn't right. <laughs> I, um, but it's, it's, it's look at Saga. Every, every, we, yeah. we talk about this book in, in such glowing terms for those who've not read it. I can't imagine any in our audience having at some point little bits and pieces of it, if nothing else. The masterful work that's done issue by issue, page by page, panel by panel by Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughan, it is a stunning piece of work beyond that it's a comic book. This is 
okay, we have teachers here, so maybe I should say this is great literature. Oh, it absolutely is. Oh, yeah. Please, please. Yeah. Okay, I feel I feel better. I thought I was at reach, but okay, thank you. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is great. Um, it's hard because my one thing with Saga, and I've been feeling it more since they took the second hiatus last year, um, is it's it's getting harder for me to wait month to month, and I. Again, I don't mean it in any kind of like negative way because I still absolutely, absolutely love the book. But I. Do you want to go back to reading so it in well. graphic novel? Yeah, it reads I am so too. well together. It yeah, really but, does. And I did the I'm, same. I'm I would catch up boat. every year for our best ofs and read an entire year's worth of saga and just revel in it. Sit with a glass of wine, just sit and mm-hmm. immerse yourself in it. And that weight with the cliffhangers. It's wonderful the way it gets paid off, but still, yeah, it's tough. It is a tough read yeah. this way. I'm, yeah. going back, I'm going back to reading it in trade. I, I, I'm in the same boat. I love it every month, but I'd rather just read it in one, one arc, you know, together, and then wait another four or five months till the next one comes out. Right. The problem with that is that I forget what happened before, so then I have to go back and reread like a portion of the previous arc. Yeah, that's that's part of the problem, and it's hard too because like the one thing Saga has always done well, always, and Paper Girls was the same way. Is like the cliffhangers, mm, they really get you, and they mm-hmm. make you come back, and you're like, I'll, you know what, you got me. I'll get the next month because I need to know, and like it is just so expertly structured like that um but i but it, it's hard it's hard there's so many characters there's so much story there's so much story that especially at this point that i do feel like you said aaron like I, you got to catch up every month which i understand is part of it you know and you want to reread these things over and over again um but i don't know i don't know I, i'll probably run this arc out and then see how long the next break is gonna be because god knows um so and then see what see what the plan is i haven't way, did anyone see the catwoman cover i know i did i, 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 I did. just I put it on, on our chat yeah, oh let me it, see it was pretty there's heinous. a lot of camel toe there but anyway oh yeah, there is. Uh, <laughs> um so. aaron you were saying before i haven't read 62 yet um but i do remember the last conversation we had um i expressed that i felt like this arc has been filler um sort of because there were so many things that were distinguishable about the previous arcs. And remember I read them, I read like the first nine, mm-hmm. um, like in two days, um, like just trying to catch, I think it was just trying to catch up for the year end, whatever, whatever. But there were just things that were distinguishable about each one of those. And, you know, you had the, you had multiple competing storylines. And I feel like this one has really just been recovery. Yeah. Um, you know, recovery after what we know happened and the, you know, the losses and all that stuff. And so I was kind of wondering, I, I, mean, I don't know, maybe it happened in this issue, but it was a point where I was just like, all right, is there going to be a point where even though the storytelling in and of itself, you know, and the recovery and the relationship and all that stuff has been great. Is there going to be a point that, you know, where we get to a scene or a panel or an issue that centralizes this arc and makes us understand why we've been reading the previous issues. I don't know if we've gotten there yet, but mm. maybe this was this issue. But I do feel like this is this, this um, arc has been 
been recovery filler arc stuff. It hasn't yeah. been hit, it's been hitting you with cliffhangers, but I wouldn't say all the cliffhangers are like driving in the same direction. Yeah, no, that's fair. No, there's there's yeah. there's like three very separate storylines, but mm-hmm. I mean they are also by their very nature of like who's in them going to collide at some point. Yeah. Uh but I, I get what you're saying that like this really since coming back from the two, three year hiatus, you know, the book, um, it does feel like recovery mode, which I think again is like kind of by design to a degree. Probably. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with like phase four MCU stuff that like, I have this conversation all the time that people are like, I don't understand what this point of this is. And I was like, bro, we just like did the Thanos thing. Can we just take a breather for like yeah. a phase, you know, and like meet some new people and have a good time. Um, so, you know, I, I, but to your point too, given the nature of how saga is structured and the nature of how like the story goes, it would be nice to kind of have a, the pace pick up a little bit and, and see those storylines start to coalesce maybe a little, and maybe by the end of this arc, they will. Um, because at that point it will have been 10 issues and since coming back, you know, so who knows? Yeah. There are characters looking for other characters trying not to be spoilery here. Yes. So yeah. We'll see. I think uh, there will be that collision, and I think it will be epic. Yeah. Um, Bob, you said something about She-Hulk at the very end, and I had a I had a quip, and I can't remember what it is because we went number off one, on number one pal Patsy Walker, aka. Oh, okay. that yes, it wasn't a quip; it was a question. You didn't read the Chris Cantwell Iron Man run, did you? No, I know Patsy was engaged to tony was that a thing yes yeah there was a lot with patsy in that that i always felt was a little was a little off 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 brand um it was cool seeing patsy walker in that series and and chris cantwell and the art team on that book did a great job telling that crazy crazy story with iron man becoming like iron god and stuff um but I I feel like I always liked Patsy in her book, obviously, and and with the She Hulk stuff as well. And it's definitely uh, a, a a night for the girls to talk and commiserate and stuff. So it's all the things you loved from those other books are here. Great, awesome, awesome. And I would say you don't have to read that Iron Man series. <laughs> cool. Yeah, because you'll read it and you'll be like, "Not my Patsy." Right, there's a Hellcat miniseries coming that I'm skeptical about, but I will mm-hmm. I'll try it. It's a little and look, I get it. Like Patsy has dark moments in her character arc, obviously. Um, and it just felt like Cantwell's Iron Man really leaned into that, uh, as opposed to what we've seen from Patsy in the last like ten years of her run in Marvel comics, where it's it's like finding ways to cope with that darkness through a sense of humor mm-hmm. and, and, and levity and hard work. And this one just felt like, Oh my God, like Tony, <laughs> Tony, you know, it's just, it's too, too much. Well, I think in too much the drama. same way that rainbow roll has given me a she Hulk, I can recognize. Right, she also right, gave me yeah. a Patsy in that same sense. There you go. Cool. All right. Sweet. <laughs> Aaron, comes down to me yes. and you again. 
Do you remember who went first last time? Probably me. Was it you or was it me? Yes. Rock, paper, scissors. Can we do that over the internet? (laughs) This is me filling time on the radio here. Uh, You know what, Aaron? I'll go. I feel like people are going to want to going to want to connect with my hot takes anyway. So probably, exactly, probably exactly, not a bad exactly. Idea. All right. So uh, mine's. I do not have a lot to talk about, um, but I have some crazy stuff to talk about. Uh, the first one, total surprise to me, because I thought I knew what this book was going to be going into it, and I was wrong. Local man number one, uh, Tim Seeley and Tony Fleeks. I stopped at. Tim Seeley revival rural noir. And I was like, cool, I'm into that. Let's go. And I did not realize that this book was actually about superheroes, uh, which was fine. I, it was, it was surprising and I enjoyed it. Um, Tony Fleek's artwork was also really cool. He also did a really cool kind of, um, image 90s, throwback yeah. style 90s backup about the character. So here's from the solicit. <clears throat> Once the star recruit of the media sensation super team third gen, Jack Zaver had it all. But when controversy sends Cross Jack crawling back to his mom and dad's basement in the Midwest, Jack struggles to fit into a world he left far behind. And then the bodies start piling up. Um, yeah, so like... <sighs> There's a part of me that's worried that this Crossjack storyline, like he did something bad when he was on the super team. There's a part of me that's worried it's going to get a little cancel-y, you know, and I'm not going to like this book anymore. Um, But uh, what I will say about it is is that all aside, I think it's a really cool kind of um, take on A, like those 90s image bulky pouch wearing superheroes right with the goofy names there's one character that's called oh goodness what's the statue lady called john oh the one skin something skin yeah oh oh god i gotta look it up no the one was the um the camo crusader and then he yes he hooked up with the (laughs) the the skinwalker hippie girl <laughs> yes like, yes who would have thought that i would ever end up with a hippie chick like you yes and it's it's so, and like the the in the backup the bad guys are named like painkiller mercy less super id and fright side and it's like yep this is taking me back this is yep. taking me back to uh you know this is this is the brigade and oh, young blood and <laughs> it's the character's name is softcore that's oh, it. A little yeah. skinamax. Yeah, yeah. Soft core because she's like, you know, she's like uh marble or something, and she's like, you know, whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so so Jack comes back to the Midwest and he's all down on his lock. He's gotta live in his mom's basement, and it's uh everyone is like F you cross Jack, you suck. So like, we don't know why yet. And again, like I said, I'm a little worried as to what that why is. We'll see. Um, but I like it. I think it's got like boys vibes, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of like, it's kind of critique of the superhero genre and the characters. Um, it's got a, a lot of like, uh, <laughs> it's got a lot of like Jeff Lemire, sad superhero vibes, you know, uh, out in the Midwest, you know, um, and it's it's really cool. The 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 noir crime solving stuff of it, I'm sure will 
pick up in future issues. Uh, but in terms of a setup and meeting the characters, you know, I think it's a really great introduction. Um, and I don't know how to pronounce the guy's last name. Jack Zaver, Zaver, Xaver. It doesn't matter. Um, okay. Also read this week, Immoral X-Men number one, Kieran Gellin and Paco Medina. Uh, all I have in my notes is sinister, sinister, and more sinister. Immoral <laughs> X-Men is, you know, another uh, one of these issues in the Sins of Sinister, you know, three-month-long crossover that we're getting. Um this one is more in line with the sins of sinister one shot issue that we read all together a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you get more of, of sinister prime sinister diamond. I don't know what the main sinister with his cape running around trying to find his lab and you get his interactions or rather abductions by the, um, other sinisters on the quiet council, including mainly in this issue, my absolute favorite queen herself, Emma Frost, just an amazing character and an amazing character that I think, um, was for a very long time, a center of the X universe. And with Krakoa and the house of X, powers of X storylines. She is still obviously very important and has great one liners on the quiet council all the time, but hasn't really been at the center as much as other characters like storm and Cyclops and Jean gray. And obviously Magneto Xavier and all this stuff that's been going on with them. Um, but I think now that Gillen is back, Gillen clearly loves Emma Frost and Mr. Sinister. <laughs> so when yeah. Gillen writes the X-Men, they are going to be at the core of the series. And Could this they be a couple? Is all, absolutely not. You should see, you should no. see no, 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 what no. Emma Frost, even as Emma Frost, Sinister Emma Frost, does to Sinister in this issue. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, and it's not in a fun way. It's not a chains, but not fun chains, you know? Gotcha. Um, and uh, it's really great. And the, the kind of twists and turns of it. Gillen also, I think, has a great handle on the uh, text pages in a way that I don't think we've really had um, in a long time, too. So I'm having a ton of fun with this crossover. This issue in particular kind of shows me where the storyline is going moving forward. Uh, John, I know you have a different favorite character in the issue, and we'll get there in, in a second. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, next week, next month, we have another Nightcrawlers, another Storm in the Brotherhood, another Immoral X-Men, and I think we have one more month after that. And then we got a, a Sins of Sinister wrap-up, and then this crossover will be done, and we'll move over to the next thing, which is cool. Um, I wonder – no, I don't wonder. Never mind. I won't, I won't talk about it. I don't want to spoil anything. Okay, never mind. Mm. Finally, mm. lastly, lastly, Cocaine Bear. I did see it. <laughs> cocaine Bear sat in the front row. Side note on the front row. Remember a couple months ago we were talking about how AMC is changing all its pricing? Uh, since they changed their pricing, my front row seats have been empty. I'm, I'm always alone in the front se- for first row now, even on packed packed movies. But now, How far from the screen is it? Some Theaters are different sometimes. It's probably a good... 12, 15 feet. Like, that's not bad. You, that's not yeah. a bad seat. And the AMC has the recliners. So like you recline back and you're looking up at the screen. It's fine. And no one in front of you can put your popcorn on the floor and everything. Yeah. And more importantly, you can't see the phones in front of you. 
Mm. That's another reason why I do it. But anyway, went to Cocaine Bear Sunday afternoon, two o'clock, packed. Every row behind me packed. Not my row, front row, empty. Uh, every row behind me packed, and people are talking and chittering, but not in like a like an annoying way, like reacting to the film way. Um, it was a really cool kind of. It felt like it felt like those like schlocky movies of the past that you would go to and kind of yell things at the screen in a good way. Um, and Cocaine Bear, I think, is designed for that. Cocaine Bear, not unlike some of our favorites on the pod, Grizzly Shark. Shirtless bear. Shirtless bear fighter. You know, really kind of goofy, um, hyper, hyper violent. Everyone in this movie is fair game for this cocaine bear. Um, the cat is written by Jimmy Warden, directed by Elizabeth Banks, of all people. Really? Uh, of, Char- of Charlie's Angels and Pitch Perfect 2 fame. Um and it has all of the trappings of a Elizabeth Banks movie. Um, funny moments, some great pieces here and there, but ultimately the sum is nowhere near as good as the parts uh, and doesn't really kind of stick that emotional landing. And she tries. Carrie Russell plays a mom in this, in this um, movie and, and like her two and like her kid plays hooky from school and ends up in the park and like, you know who else is at the park? Cocaine bear, you know? Yeah. Uh, so she like really tries to lean into like the mother daughter and stuff. But ultimately you're at that movie just for one thing. And that's to see a bear high on cocaine effing people up. Um, based on a true that, story, supposedly. <laughs> of course, based on a true yeah. story or based on just a true premise, which is cocaine was thrown out of a plane in 1985 and it ended up in the woods and uh, they found a bear a day later dead of a cocaine overdose. <laughs> so like, you know, like the movie kind of fleshes out what happened in the middle. Um, Ray Liotta is in this film. Uh, one of his last pieces. Yep. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich, AKA Han Solo, I think. Right. Is that, yeah, is that, yeah. yep. Um, O'Shea Jackson, uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. There's a ton of people in this movie. Uh, as I've been alluding to, it's been a ton. It was a ton of fun. The bear stuff is hilarious. The audience ate it up. This movie of all movies, w- people have been applauding at the end of movies lately, but usually those are like the prestige picks or like the Marvel movies or whatever. There was applause during when the credits started rolling for this movie. And I was like, what is happening? This is a movie about a cocaine bear. Um, it is very, very graphically, uh, humorously violent. Uh, Ray Liotta does his most Ray Liotta, late Ray Liotta chewing the scenery kind of gangster role here. Um, yeah, Cocaine Bear. I know Steve also big fan of it too. This movie and Megan, which also came out this past um, fall – and is now streaming, and I plan on watching it this week. Um, I think is is ushering in a new era of camp horror. 
not camp like camp like camping in the woods camp because it could be confusing because this is cocaine bear and it happens in the woods i'm talking about like camp like camp camp um camp horror that i think people are responding well to i think people just want to have a good time while also you know watching really goofy slasher you know um gory films um and i think cocaine bear has that in spades you know elizabeth banks was like this movie could ruin my career and i'm like no elizabeth this movie saving your career cocaine bear let's go sets it up for a sequel maybe who knows cocaine bear (laughs) 2 cocaine bear cocaine ear cocaine bears it's yogi and boo boo and and coke Uh, you know well i won't get into it um That's me. I read an article where she took, she's like, I take full responsibility for Charlie's angels. <laughs> I unpopular hot, hot take here. I liked the Charlie's angels movie. It was fine. That movie blew. I saw a little bit of hers <laughs> and I bought it just this week for $3 at Savers. Am I going to be nice. disappointed? No. $2. No. It's case due. I think yeah. Naomi Scott. It, the cast is fine. I I I liked it. It was Patrick but I also watched it too, right? Yeah, I also watched it on the couch. You know, so like that's all I'm going to see. Yeah, that's good to go. Yeah. Right, it's different. Oh no, it's I fine. didn't see it in the theater. No, no, no. No, yeah, I didn't see it in the theater. No, but I had a good time with it. But I'm also very forgiving. I saw a movie called Cocaine Bear. Huh. Well, there you go. <laughs> now, yeah. where do you think this all comes from? Is this springing from? I mean, we go all the way back to Scream, I suppose, but maybe Happy Death Day and Freaky and those sort of things. Like, you know, we can have some fun with the whole slasher genre, violent horror. Ready or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, horror at its best is always a little campy, you know, and... Mr. Hitchcock thought the same thing all the way back to Psycho. I know. And I think that especially given how gruesome and gory things can be now with all the CG, like there's something schlocky about it. And Cocaine Bear has all of that kind of like B-movie goodness to it, but obviously on a huge – like a – like a big budget studio film, or I don't know what the budget was, but you know, whatever. Um, lots, lot of CG in this movie. I will say that um, I did kind of wish it was a bear, a man in a suit. Uh, oh, I that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, I wish it was a real man in a real suit doing real cocaine. That's what I wish this movie was. Um, but it is. There's a lot of CG bear in here. The CG bear looks good. Um, or a big furry queen in West Hollywood. There you go. <laughs> But um, it was fun. Cocaine Bear recommended if you got the stomach for it. Um, every, I'd say maybe not everybody. Maybe three quarters of the characters in this movie are just terrible enough that you hope the bear gets them. You know, um, okay. it's, a, it's now we're, kind of movie. you guys are too young. There was a whole subgenre of animals attacking in the early seventies. So it sounds like they're channeling that where you hated everyone in the movie and you hope they got eaten by the bears, ants, whatever was going on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Who's the one with the rats? Ben. Willard and Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, I just think of Michael Jackson. Yeah. That movie starts. I will give this to Elizabeth Banks. She does a great job really turning the audience around on the bear being the antagonist. She really does a good job really introducing 
terrible people that, you know, the bear, because the bear starts, the bear starts as the bad guy. I will give, I will, no spoilers. Start, I'd say the first five, 10 minutes, that bear's the bad guy. Um, but by the end of the movie, you know, you know who to root for. Oh, and they're on cocaine. <laughs> um, John, I know you read Local Man and Immoral X-Men. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Local Man. Uh, I like the mystery of it. I like that they didn't reveal what he did. I hope what he did isn't irredeemable. You were getting vibes. You, yeah. you were getting vibes, right? I was like, yeah. oh, you know, this, I, this book might come around and bite me in the ass if I talk about but it on the show. <laughs> the, the people who are upset with him are like the, the Bible-thumping rednecks. So right. I'm hoping that maybe he did something against uh, Camo Crusader and Neon. And I loved when they came with the cease and desist because he used a shield-like object. Um, and then, yeah. and then the back that, that was that God, I remember, I remember buying all of those Rob Liefeld image mm-hmm. books and it was like, Oh my God, I'm not the only one who, who read this and was, yeah. you know, both inspired and now kind of ashamed of it. Um, so no, I'm, I think this is just like a five issue. So I'm, I, I'm definitely on board with this one. Mm-hmm. And then immoral X-Men, this, I mean, I love that. I love the whole setup of this. You know, this is the year. The first issues of these three miniseries are year ten. The next ones are year one hundred, and the third ones are year one thousand. So they're following that powers of ten, powers of X um, motif. I I love Sinister, but I just hope had two great moments when she's a. Uh, I remember Karen Gillan used to write Generation Hope, so he's always had a fondness for that character. And uh, when she, they're like, is that a cybernetic hand? And she's like, she goes, well, since dad's on the other side of this, I thought somebody better. So she cut her <laughs> hand off and gave herself a cybernetic hand. And then she's just toting around these giant guns when she's spying on uh, Xavier and, and Emma. And she's like, oh, stop moping over your dead boyfriend. And I couldn't send Chris a note quick enough. So. It's wow. uh, it, it's good stuff, and this one did feel a lot like Sins of Sinister. I think right. this one, uh, this book is the companion to the um, Immortal X Men, so it had mm-hmm. that same snarky vibe. And I just love how quickly Sinister wilts whenever he's caught. Oh yeah, he just is such a spineless yeah. little you know creature when that happens. And this no, and then poor Mastermind. Oh god! Oh, he's oh no! What do they do to poor Mastermind? Let's just say Emma uses him in a very unique way for her yeah. okay. satisfaction. <laughs> Chain, chains, but not in the fun way, Bob. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sunstone yeah. will not be but spoken. I was just gonna say, wish Stapon be happy. <laughs> but still, a full suit and a doily on. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> well, you know, got to keep up appearances if you're Mastermind. Hey, hey, hey. come on! That, that operated on a lot of good levels that was good there. One. Yeah, it's a lot of levels. Oh. I like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, for someone who's uh, don't don't be mad, who's not reading X Men at all, because this issue sounds like so much fun. Can I just read it, or do I need? No, need the, <laughs> I mean, you need Bob, the, you could just read it. Will it mean anything? Yeah, I, mean, I think it won't jokes mean, might it, hit. Yeah, I think the jokes yeah, that jokes John just hit. said will hit because they're 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 really based on like. All the history of yeah. you know of the relationship between Magneto and, and Xavier, but you you won't understand the context of what's happening in the story. Okay. Yeah, and the story is 
chaotic at this point. Yeah. Sense of Sinister was like a break, and you're just like, what the? It was like Age of Apocalypse, you know? It's like yeah, one it day, you know, that like Legion did some shit, and all of a sudden now we are in an alternate universe with mm-hmm. Apocalypse, you know, and like hot Magneto, you know? Um, <laughs> which, hey, every Magneto's hey. hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Sinister Sinister is very, very similar to that. I loved Generation Hope, John. Oh, uh, yeah, that was So great. you don't have to talk to me about Generation Hope. I didn't um, think I needed to. And uh, those are those are characters that you see in the background of panels all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Uh, Hope, and Hope was forgotten for a while, but I, I, she's popped back up as one of the five. And now yeah. that she's on the count, I mean, Gillen put her on the council pretty quickly. I love Hope. She's fantastic. I love what he keeps calling her the Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when oh. it just follows her around. When she's just everywhere. He's she's like, creating a gun and he's doing like artwork. He's <laughs> like, he's adorable. Yeah. That's, that's he's, such he a. He saved her hand. It's <laughs> precious. It's like some ancient artifact. Oh, God. I forgot about Exodus in this. But that's something that I've really enjoyed about the new X books in the last couple of years is um so much of it is like hey remember that like random character in -hmm. fact remember random the character (laughs) he's gonna be in this book you know like this like the new x book because they've just been reviving everybody and 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 all of that like the history is so much more important but not in a way that feels like a barrier it feels like Easter eggy. It feels like, like the core of these characters, obscure though they may be, is used to service some story beat in a somewhat meaningful way or a joke or something. Um, and it feels like the most playful the X books, the playful with continuity that the X books have been in a long time. For because for fifteen mm-hmm. years or so, it was just like present misery, present misery, um, yeah. and that like throwback to the canon, the continuity was mm-hmm. wasn't part of it as much. It was oppressive. Yeah. It really was. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Well, it's um, interesting. Is so many of the jokes are based on history that in theory didn't never happened in this timeline. Oh boy. Because I mean, it, it kind of, it's sort of, it's almost like I hear some of that humor being inside jokes. Yes. You know, which is, which is yeah. great. But um, you're on the inside. In theory, yeah. But you're on the inside because if you, you know, having, have you hadn't read the other ones, you wouldn't even know what they were referencing because, you know, in theory they didn't happen in this, they took a fast path to being the dominant species on the planet, right. you know, et cetera, et cetera. I had um, a question about this though. Mm-hmm. Cause I did read it. Do we feel, I know they're trying to do the alignment with the books that are all out there that were all out there before. So, you know, the night crawlers, whatever that was, what was Legion. last week? Legion of X. Yeah. All that stuff. Do you feel as though I'm wondering if I wouldn't like to see this as just one continuing story yeah. as part of just just the just sense of sinister one, two, three, four, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hitting the, all these the, points. But then you don't I feel get like the, you're gonna miss some things. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But then you don't get the X crossover structure that we're yeah. so used yeah. to. Mm-hmm. I, just, I feel um, like if you're not someone who's reading Legion of X, 
then you may miss something oh. that might be critical. Dude, I was reading I opened up Nightcrawler's number one or whatever, and it said like True Blood Part Three. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is not how this works. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. And like luckily I've been reading Legion of X, so like I knew what was going on, but like I was like, this is Mr. Sperrier. No, no, no. Yeah, we don't <laughs> this, You can't be like issue one, part three. That doesn't work that way. Um by the yeah, way, what's happening like, in the book you're not reading and you brought this because it's a crossover. <laughs> Vicky was a one. Yeah, yeah good luck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They really got me with that one. Um, but you're right because like there's a huge reveal at the end of Nightcrawlers. Yep. There are two huge reveals at the end of Nightcrawlers yeah. that are like really big shifts to what's been going on in the Legion of X book. Yeah. Um, but if you're not reading this crossover because you're like, oh, they're doing a crossover, I don't want to read it. You're going to miss something real big. And you're going to come back when Legion of X is back and you're going to be like, who's a sinister? Right? Exactly. Like, like, like what? Um, so yeah, I, 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 hear I guess that they have the little uh, – they got the little roadmap in the back and everything. But you know, I think we're at this point now where we're just like we don't, I don't even like pay attention to that thing anymore half the time. So yeah. No, I'm I don't. sort of just like going back and just – I'm just sort of reading what I normally read. And luckily, because I basically pick up every book, yeah. you know, it, it works out. But to your point about Emma before, I think I feel like the last time we had a good Emma in this in, in the in the age of Krakoa was when she was so emotionally attached to Kitty being unable to be revived. Yeah. Yes. And Marauders. And everything is, when- yeah, and yeah, and everything she did. To get her back, and then whooping up the on beatdown of Shaw, yeah, oh, the beatdown. Then it kind of the beatdown of Sebastian right. Shaw was a great issue. Yes. Yeah, yep. Well, and then because they took her out of Marauders because she wasn't in Marauders yep. much after that, um, and she's not in the Marauders book now. Nope, um, not even referenced. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's really only in. She's really only in Immortal, um, she's kind which of is a like great space for her. Yeah. So again, that's why I was like really happy to have this like Emma Frost issue because I love Emma Frost, you know, um, and I do love with the Sins of Sinister stuff that they rolled up to Ben Percy's office and they were like, hey, you want to do Sins of Sinister with Wolverine and X-Force? And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. No, because he is Wolverine. I know because like all the other X books are like crossing over since the sinister like replacement, <laughs> but not Wolverine and X Force. They're doing their own thing over in the corner with the Peacock guy still running around doing whatever it is he's doing. Um, yeah, that's that's just funny to me that like Ben Percy was like, "Now nah, I'm going to do my own thing over here, <laughs> and it's going to be the best at what I do." <laughs> all right, anything else, local man, immoral? Cocaine bear? No. Shazadam. All right, Aaron. Shazadamus. Shazadam. All right. We're going to go into my, my rounds of lightning. And I got some hot takes. Me. All right. First, Mosley number two, Rob Guillory, Sam Lofty, and Jean-Francis Bellew. Um, nice. Catching you up. One of those, I guess, pseudo post-apocalyptic scenarios where there's a point at which you know, certain individuals are asked to participate in a program that's supposed to help AI become a little bit more, I guess, attuned to human, uh, you know, human emotions and human, you know, 
affectations, all these things. Well, as one would expect, that didn't go well. Um, fast forward some 20 years, and one of the main folks that are, well, one of the folks that was part of that initial um, experiment is now someone who is completely out of the game, just completely does not, is not on board, recognizes the mistakes that were made along the way that essentially shifted the, the paradigm on the planet. And now the everyone is beholden to the AI, beholden to the robots. And, you know, there's a, we live in a world where everyone is just addicted to, you know, various upgrades, et cetera, et cetera, that they could get that can enhance their quality of life, if you want to look at it that way, but essentially they are, is really just taking the, the concept of being attached to your smartphone to the, the, the furthest logical, you know, extension. Um, and that's what we have, but we have Mr. Mosley, who's just sort of, he's just, no, I'm, I'm out. I hate it. I hate everything about it. Of course, his prodigy daughter is all in um, and just basically goes against his will and gets involved with this, you know, this, this organization gets involved with this project and just continues to expand it and extend it. And basically everyone is now a slave to the machine uh, for all its purposes. But something happens at the end of issue one where you're sort of wondering, all right, well, where is this going? Let's take a sort of a supernatural approach because the entire issue was more focused on just uh, the understanding of the background of the oppression that, you know, humanity sits under now without even realizing they're being oppressed. Um, and, you know, it takes sort of a, a weird little supernatural turn. So you get the beginning of this issue and that supernatural turn for all intents and purposes is this guy becomes sort of Thor-like. <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's got a hammer and some power from some unforeseen location comes down and imbues him with even more power. And, you know, it goes straight to a very quick end where he, he does what he needs to do and, in theory, frees everyone. <laughs> and they are pissed. <laughs> They're like, we didn't tell you to free us. I was like, hold on, I can't get a signal now. What's going on? And so he sort of, he painted himself as a hero in this story. And then everyone else is sort of just like, you're an asshole. No one asked you to free us. Um, we kind of like it here. And so now he's got a, he's, you know, taking some, taking a little bit of a hit. Um, his power is a little spotty. You know, the person, the, the organ, whatever, whatever organism that gave him this power is just sort of like, mm, excuse me, sir, there are rules and you can't do this. So now we're going to, we're going to pull the plug on that for a little while. And he finds himself in a little bit of a pickle. Um, and that's certain, the, the issue sort of wraps with him going to the one person that he probably never thought he'd go back to again. And that is his ex-wife, uh, the mother of his daughter, who is now full in. And we get to see, through a little bit of a, a little bit of back matter, you know what her parallel story has been, and I think it's all going to come to a head moving forward, where they try to determine determine did, did I was I the hero in the story or was I the villain? How can I fix this? It was an interesting story. I didn't expect it to take that path. I certainly didn't expect it to sort of, for all intents and purposes, beat the big bad at the, you know, the end of issue two. But it's clear now that that is just the beginning of the story. So we'll see where this goes. It was kind of interesting. Um, the other book I read, Wildcats, four, number four, Matthew Rosenberg, Ben Oliver, Elmer Santos, Steven Segovia, and Dan Hip. As I've said before, this book has just been really fun. We got Grifter, who is sort of caught behind enemy lines because he was brought into a mission that needed his help, even though he had previously been fired because he kind of overstepped his, his position in a previous mission. Um, but the team was in over the head, so he was kind of brought back in. 
Um, but unfortunately, things go sideways, and he's sort of left on his own in the background. So you got two competing storylines where him basically doing a uh, his own personal behind enemy lines with this incredible sort of commentary as he's going, you know, from assassin to assassin, from peril to peril, just this narrative, this running narrative, and it's just hysterical. Meanwhile, we have this other storyline of his team, some members of his team wanting to go back in and save him, but the the higher authority that they all report to um, has made themselves unavailable and they can't get the approval to do that and they can't figure out where they, and they, they can't do it on their own because they can't exactly figure out where he is. There's odd little scenes of interaction that are just hysterical to me. The one being the AI, I don't even want to call it AI, the cybernetic being that sort of connects them all, um, female, they walk in on her and she's in the middle of a threesome with two twin robot android type things. What and I'm the just like, hell? it was just, it was just, it's, it was just, there was a lot going on. And the, the, the commentary there was just hysterical. It really, this was a really, really stellar fun, fun issue that I did not expect from this book. I kind of expected this book to be something that I was kind of, read one, two, and sort of be like, all right, this isn't for me, but it keeps rolling me in and the art is just continuing to deliver. So it's really adding to the story. So I'm, I'm really happy with it. So I'd say check out Wildcats if you haven't been checking it out. Look at it, you know, DC, Ultra Infinite, I don't know, the dingo at your baby, whatever, <laughs> what is now, but check it out. It's really fun. You know, if, it's, if you have it, it's out there. Read the first three. It's really, really fun. So now I got some hot takes. Hot takes. So, I caught up on, well, up to six, uh, The Last of Us. Oh. And, and I am, watch, see, I'm going to progress. I am understanding of why it's getting so much buzz and so much talk. And I don't know if maybe I was just in a mood, but there were points where I was just like, this is awesome. And then there were points where I was just like, all right, where's my fast forward button? because this is getting on my nerves. I struggle with some things with the unevenness of it, of the story. I couldn't quite figure out what it was that wasn't landing for me. The first episode, I was just like, wow, that was really, that was really an entry. That was great. Um, two, I was just like, oh, okay, it's continuing. Three, I get what everyone was saying about the emotional uh, aspect of it. And even four and five, where you know we have that sort of the introduction of some characters that sort of have an interesting arc that is sort of in and out, but the emotions are there. My problem was characterizations. I am completely ready for Ellie to take a bullet to the head. <laughs> She's <laughs> so loud. I am anyway, just continue. <laughs> ready for, I really, I, I was actually texting a friend of mine as I was watching. I'm like, I'm really ready for her to be done because she gets, and I know she's just trying to be an annoying teenager, but it's, it's ramped up to the point where it makes no sense at some point, because let's not forget, it is the freaking apocalypse <laughs> at some point. You want to, if your life is dependent on this individual, do you think maybe you don't want to do things that this individual is actively telling you? Not? It's just, it, the think. characterization is so yeah. one note. It just, 
yeah. I, you know, and again, I, I, I came late to the game. I, I mean, I've known about the game since it came out, but I just never played it. So I wanted to play the game out of fun, just sort of align it with the, the series. And I'm like, I, I prefer watching the storyline in the game and watching this character in the game more than I enjoy watching this character on the show because we're seven issues, episodes in now, and there's been very limited evolution of this character and she just continues to irritate and just be now there are other characters like pedro pascal's character i thought has been awesome i loved tess um a couple other characters i really love obviously episode three um although at one point frank got on my nerves um but because i'm like who's coming why you want to paint the house and why you open up the store but whatever um but I, i got past that because i understood where it was going i understood what it was setting up but her character just Bug me. And then we get to issue, I'm sorry, issue episode six. And this is to my point about characterizations. Pedro Pascal's character became like a sudden asshole. I'm like, wait, wait, what, what happened? I don't, what, why are you, your whole objective was to do this one thing. You did the thing and now you're being an asshole about it. So where did we, where did I, did I, did I fall asleep and miss an episode? I, I actually did sort of like have to sit back and like, okay, wait, this is six, right? Yeah, no, I just watched five. Why is this? And I didn't quite get that. So I'm sort of, I feels like there maybe I'm wondering if they bit off more than they could chew. I don't know. Um, there have been a lot of characters that have, you know, coming out. And there's been a lot of characters that have had sort of one and done roles. I get it, but. I am at times really enjoying myself and at times struggling to stay engaged. And I, I, that was my hot take on The Last of Us. Fight me. I don't care. <laughs> the other thing I've been reading is why well, I just want to start by saying, if you're not watching Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, yes! you need to get your life right. You need to get your life right. Because they have six episodes on Disney Plus now. The first episode was like an hour um, a little over an hour. Um, and they have, I just watched uh, episode six the other day, and this this show is perfection. No, no shade to Jersey, but this show is. <laughs> what do you mean no just, shade? There's a lot of shade. <laughs> and just saying. because you say after, like, no shade to Jersey, it doesn't mean that there's the shade, shade is not Jersey. there. <laughs> no, I'm saying no shade to Jersey because I like the show. There's all kinds of shade to Jersey in the show. Um, but, you know, I, I have, the, just from the opening theme, all the way through to the characterization. Now we recognize that this characterization of Vanilla is a little bit more user-friendly than maybe, you know, in the books. But it is just a perfect recipe for entertainment, for fun, for lessons being told and adhering to, you know, the understanding that everyone's story matters um, and that you have, and, and they really nailed it with, making the persons with the flaw, making the, the end, the protagonist of the show, the person who usually demonstrates the flaw that needs to be resolved. And so you have this connection between kids that are going to identify with Lunella, recognizing that, yes, yeah, she's a hero, but she's not perfect. And so you're not creating these expectations that are too high um, or too out of reach because, you know, it, well, I don't have these superpowers and I can't do all these great things, but, you know, it's sort of a lesson in sort of being self-aware and understanding and I'm loving it. And also it's just really funny. It's just really funny. And the most recent episode had the Beyonder in it. And I was like, Lawrence Fishburne as the Beyonder too. I, I was just 
audible. I was just laughing out loud. Uh, there was just <laughs> just a single line of "You better bippity boppity boop me a new sandwich." <laughs> that line just had me doubled over because the delivery and the pacing are just perfect. Just the 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 comedic timing, you know, in the actors and the editing or whatever it is. It's just. The delivery of the lines is just perfect. They really, really are, are just nailing it with this. So if you're not watching this show, why are you here? Anyway, that's <laughs> and the episode about. before about Lunella's hair. Yes, that's what oh, I said. Man. That had me in tears. Yeah, that I even I messaged Melissa. I was just like, Melissa, you need to watch this right now. I haven't started <laughs> yet. We'll start now. <laughs> it was like so. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's just really, really, really good. Um, I did have a question. Okay, so has everyone here seen it? At least no, one I haven't watched the first episode. Yet. Uh, you haven't watched the first episode? Okay. Well, it's not a spoiler. It's just a question, but I don't know if I want to say it. Now, maybe I'll say it offline and see what we and Ask a question offline. Just say it. John John can put his earplugs No, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Earmuffs. So, I, I was curious what you all thought. Well, I'm sorry. If you haven't seen the first episode and you might have concerns about this, then five, four, three, two, one loser anyway um, <laughs> no, no john you're supposed to have earmuffs on how do we feel about the complete erasure of the inhumans from her storyline oh who cares yeah <laughs> i was just curious when i read at first i'll be honest i felt a certain kind of way because i wanted them to this was literally as I was watching the first like 20 minutes of the first episode because I legitimately wanted to hear someone say that she is the smartest person in the Marvel universe on the planet. But after a while, I was just like, eh, how does it matter? Okay. This actually kind of works better and you're not beholden to something. But at first I was just like, I really want her. I want someone to legitimately say she's smarter than Reed Richards and she's smarter than Tony Stark. I wanted to actually hear that. And I felt like the only way they legitimately get that across on the show is if they sort of created that link. But well, it actually turns out it's not really necessary. No. Here's the thing. If in season two we get some crossovers and she's acknowledged that, now it's it's just because of her own gifts and her own work. Yep. So even better. I've just been loving this show, but again, that's my lightning round. Shut it down. Nice, nice. Uh, I'll, I'll about- jump in. I've been a fan oh. of the whole idea of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaurs since Brendan Montclair and Amy Reader pitched it to me at, I think, the Five Points Festival, however many years ago. This show, it just so captures all what we loved and that we've moved Lonella up to be 13 instead of nine. Yep. It so broadens the story scope, the family stuff, the, the Lower East Side New York that they do. This is one of the favorite Marvel things I've ever seen. I yeah. just love what they did here. The coloring, the art, the, the animation. Oh, style. the art style, the music, the, so. the, the, the energy, the vibe. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. And I can legitimately say my good friend who is I've kind of gotten into comics over the last five <laughs> years or so. He comes to Awesome Con with me and stuff now. And, you know, he's purchased a few books from Jeremy Whitley and he purchases some things here and there. Um, he is in love with this show and then sent me a screen print of him. I guess he purchased a Moon Girl Devil Dinosaur book um, <laughs> because he wants to like catch up. I'm like, I should warn you. 
<laughs> not the not the not exactly the warm, fuzzy, and cuddly <laughs> Lunella that you're getting now, but you'll still enjoy it as you know as much. Um, no, it's just this has just been it's been incredible to watch it come to life. I got right so basically, Bob, is what you're saying that we only have this show because Talking Comics approved of it some five, six or seven years ago? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. there it is. There it is. Um, I love that. The visual style, like you said, is so good. The music. When the first episode, the opening, like the credits, the main theme happens, Uh I thought it was just part of the episode. And I was like, is this just going to be a (laughs) musical show? Like, there's like singing, like, it was just like, hey, Lunana, what's up? Here we are downtown. And I was like, what is happening? This is the coolest thing I've ever (laughs) seen in my life. Through the Lower East Side. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the roller rink bit. I think mm-hmm. it's so cool. Makes the roller skates make sense, you know. Not that they it's didn't make sense in the book, you know. It's a character of the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's really cool. Um, I gotta I gotta catch up with the rest. I love the high school stuff. Um, loving loving Mimi, loving Alfre Woodard. Yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. They're all uh, so good. Here's what I'll say about Last of Us. I agree with you about the characterization thing for sure. Ellie, I get more. Um, Ellie, my problem with Ellie, you get a lot in episode seven. So you haven't watched episode seven yet. I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it probably after this. Really great storyline for Ellie. Um, But here's the thing. As someone who actively thinks about what they would do in the apocalypse, um, Ellie just speaks so loudly all the time in situations where you need to be quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, look at those like uh, clickers over there. And she's like, what clickers? And it's exactly. like, Ellie, I swear to God, I swear to God. Um, but all that aside, you know, I, I really love Pedro Pascal and um, Bella Ramsey in the two parts. I think it's so interesting because when I, when you played the game 10 years ago, when that game came out, Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> All right. Okay. When you played the game originally, you know, when it first came out and you were like, oh, look, it's Gerard the Butler and Elliot Page <laughs> on, on, in the game, you know, um, here you are 10 years later and you're like, all right, I can, I can roll with Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. There are still parts of me is like looking back on the original, like the, the first game that like, ah, but they're not them exactly, you no. know? Um, yeah. In the game, so you haven't played the game yet, no, or you have? I, I, You're yeah, playing play it. Yeah, I'm not finished with it, but yeah, I've been playing it. I know, think Ellie. Sort of line. I think Ellie is like that in the game, too. Not so much though. She kind of, when it's time to sort of hunker down and do what you got to do, she does it. The, yeah. I mean, there were a couple of scenes that were like frame for frame from the, yeah. the game, you know, gun and all that stuff, but just. Yeah, her assholeness is just <laughs> ramped up. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think Pedro Pascal's like grumpiness also is is played yep. up a lot too. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's hard because you're adapting it to the TV to the to the television kind of medium. Um, it's still really cool to have it, and I guess the bar is really low for video game adaptations. So like everyone's like, this is a masterpiece. Um, oh. But I'm like, y'all need to be quieter when there are zombies that react to sound. Like, you need to stop yelling at Shit, people. It looks like everyone's here. I'm like, yeah. okay, you yeah. dumbass. And I'm Joel like, will be like, 
Ellie, put the gun down. And it's like, no, Joel, like, let her shoot the guy, you know, <laughs> like, oh, uh, gosh. It just, it's just, it, again, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, there are some highs that I'm really enjoying about it. Yeah. There are some scenes when that, the tank, I was just like, wow. Um, there are some scenes that I really, really just loved and thought was just like super fun and like heart pounding. But then in some of those other moments, I'm just like, oh my God, can we just like have some, like someone chop her in the throat or something so that she can't <laughs> talk for a whole episode? I don't know. No, you, just, episode seven, episode seven goes a long way for, for that character, for sure. It's got a long way to go. But I can't, I, I think it's only nine episodes. I don't remember. Nine or 10. I don't know. Anyway, those are the hot takes. Those are my hot takes. Any any hot cakes for us? Okay. (laughs) Any any other business around the table today? Well, hot cakes. Aaron has found his love for Jorge Jimenez. Okay, this is a lot. Sweet Jesus. (laughs) Putting them on blast here. No, listen. No, no, no. He's right. He's a beautiful man. Okay. I I didn't. Listen. (laughs) How come y'all were keeping that one from me for all this time? I did not know that. that yourself. Yikes. Remember when Steve Orlando was uh, posting those thirst traps on Instagram? Remember those? Yes. I'm not. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to say this. And you all know I love Steve Orlando. And and I'm not body shaming because he has taken, I think, he has just taken the best turn at sort of poking foot at himself. Because, yes, he was throwing those thirst traps out there because he was working out a lot. And then I guess COVID happened or something happened and he, like, put on some pounds. So he still posts them. But his faces (laughs) are different. And then he just cracked me up. And I'm like, I don't know if he's poking fun of himself or what. But he still puts it out there. He still goes on. I love – he just cracks me up. Steve Orlando was just awesome, but he still puts those thirst traps out there. He's like, uh-huh. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, all right. It just so it kills me but every single time. Yeah. Carol, those are your hot cakes and hot takes. That's this go. that's been this segment of this Talking Comics podcast, hot cakes and hot takes. Hot um, cakes was last week with Bang the Conqueror. I mean Kang the Conqueror. Wow. <laughs> wow. Just saying. No other business? No, sir. Other than books we're looking forward to? No more business. John, you were right. We're going to go for 90 minutes today. It's going to be great. I knew you could do it, Joey. All right. Books we're looking forward to for next week. I got cocaine. No, those are my notes. Uh, Okay. I I got cocaine bear. I got cocaine bear. Um, I got I Hate This Place is coming back, number six. Uh, Phantom Road, number one, another image book, looks cool. Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer special, number one. Don't know what that is, but I'll read it. Uh, Where Monsters Lie, number two from Dark Horse. This was a fun one about all those, you know, slasher monsters, horror monsters, all living in a nice suburban neighborhood. So it is what it is. Um, And two Stephanie Phillips books at Marvel, Rogan Gambit, number one, and Cosmic Ghost Rider number one? It's the week of Stephanie Phillips and Marvel. Who knows? I'll, I'll, I might check out one or both of those. Um, Bob, what are you getting this week? 
um, for the first time in 60 years, including the pandemic, because one of my stores kind of was open for private sales, I have nothing. Absolutely oh, nothing. So I'll cobble something together. But I've got no books coming in. Hit the review folder, man. Yeah. John, what are you checking out? Uh, Batman versus Robin number five, Radiant Black number twenty-two, and in the future, a month from now, Action Comics ten fifty-two and Detective Comics ten sixty-nine. Nice, Aaron. I don't know. I listen to the <laughs> I don't know. Period. <laughs> What's in the pool? Uh, you know, you said what are we looking forward to? But quite honestly, I have two books, and I don't know if I'm really looking forward to them. How? Oh. Um, X Force Thirty Eight. Um, although they did wrap up that other that Craven thing that was just sort of sucking oh, God, life out of me. Bad. Um, and then Ordinary Gods number 10. Um, I would have said I was really looking forward to it, but then the last issue sort of took a turn that I wasn't expecting, so now I don't know. But, mm. you know, those are what's in my pool right now. That's it, though. Cool. I, I do have stuff on DC that I need to catch up on, so maybe I'll just go there. I think I am a full 20 issues behind on X-Force. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it had a really good run. They, there are still, I will be honest, there's some loose ends. Um, that they kind of recently revisited with Pietro, mm-hmm. you know, him <laughs> killing his girl and dumping her in the field. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, are you ever going to get back to that? No. Oh, all right. I guess he'll just fertilize the place. Um, but, you know, it's kind of also been in its own little space as well in the in the universe. So mm-hmm. what's his face is still dead as well. Mm. Mr. Choir. Hmm. So, just saying. Spoilers. Well, if that's it, that's it. Hmm. Nothing hmm. else? I feel like I feel like we got 20 minutes to fill here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We're somewhere online, whether it's Twitter or what was the other one? Hive. Hive. IG. Hive. And Instagram. What's the Instagram, Aaron? I don't know. Oh, Talking Comics Podcast. Talking about hot takes and hot cakes. Check our Instagram. It's, uh, we dedicated a whole week to Jorge Jimenez. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old-fashioned email. Bob Ryan or TalkingComicBooks.com. John? I've been trying to use John.Burkle at Instagram more. <laughs> nice. He's on the run. He can't be held down. No. Aaron? I think, oh, AJ Amos 70 on Instagram. Nice. We got dead underscore anchorist, Steve. Chris is the myth of Psyche? Yep. Yep. At various entities. I have been receiving emails at Joey at talkingcomicsbooks.com. People have been Russian in particular. I have, yes, I have been trying to be getting hacked by, uh, you know. Uh, the KGB, I think, or whatever. Um, they like Russia really wants an account on our website. I just want to throw that out there. Um, but you know what? You can't have it. Um, that's it. I don't know. That's it. I feel like you know we didn't have any like big Jonathan Majors like climactic. We didn't climax with Kang this week. <laughs> wow. Well, you right. know. All right. Yeah. Wow. Well. <laughs> 
<laughs> Speak for yourself. Uh, Steve will be back hosting next week, so uh, the episode will be longer. Just kidding. But in all seriousness, happy March, everyone. Today is March 1st. Uh, so for Bob. See ya. John. Good night. Aaron. Time time travel. You threw me off there. Right. Good. That's a strong ending, Aaron. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Be excellent to each other. And until next time on the Talking Comics podcast, to be continued.